It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome back, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside my partner in crime, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, uh, Greg McMichael. Thankfully, uh, the season has started and we are not broadcasting games anymore, although we did have a blast doing that during summer camp on the Braves Facebook page. But we're back to our day job now as uh, as hosts of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. So, Greg, it's uh, it's great to see you virtually. It's been great to be at the ballpark some and uh, see see the, the Braves actually playing actual games. And um, so that's that's been great. And also great is our guest today, Benny Nagel, who I got to be around a little bit during Braves Fantasy Camp. We touched on that a little bit in the interview. And, uh, boy, he could just – he. I instantly could tell from being around him for, for that, those day, that day or two that I was there that, uh, man, what a great personality. He's always smiling, very funny, and then also just really – engaging with campers and people and everybody around him and uh, just a really, really likable, nice guy. Yeah. Denny is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Just a lot of fun to be around. He's full of life. He cuts up and, and uh, he's just always in a, in a great mood. And Denny's definitely been one of those guys that's been real involved in the alumni uh, association with the Braves. He's been involved in fantasy camp. And uh, what a great – he was a teammate of mine, so a lot of great uh, memories of him coming over and helping us get to the World Series in 96. Uh, he had an outstanding career with Pittsburgh and uh, the Braves, Cincinnati, uh, New York, and Colorado. Uh, he just one of those guys. He was fun to watch. And I think he's one of those unsung hero type of guys that kind of flew under the radar because obviously you're on a pitching staff with Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. And then you're out of those guys, you're the fourth pitcher. But let me tell you what, Denny was ever bit as good. He was a 20 game winner. 
uh, 13-year career. He had 124 wins, two all-star appearances, uh, just really was a quality pitcher. And as we talk about in the podcast, he did know how to pitch. He knew uh, how to think his way through the game. He knew how to execute. He was a three-pitch pitcher. So he could have got guys out any point um, because his formula is just the way you go about it. So that same formula has been successful for the last 100 years. He could pitch today just like he pitched back then. One thing, and we touched a little bit of this on this in the interview too. One thing I could tell from being around him that day at Fancy Camp is he had to be one of the all-time pranksters that you were around in the game, too. And and I'll I'll go through this now. We talk about it in the interview because I don't know how well I actually explained it for people listening. We're doing this over Zoom, obviously, and uh, so we can all see each other. So I was probably visually storytelling during the interview, which doesn't work so well on an audio-only podcast. So. Um, we were coming out of the uh, cafeteria, me, a couple other campers I think I've been sitting with, just having breakfast with. Um, we were coming out of the, the cafeteria at the Braves Training Academy where you have Braves Fantasy Camp. And uh, Danny happened to be in front of us, so he opens up the door to, to walk out of the cafeteria, or he goes to open the door. But instead of opening it, he, like, I guess he it makes like he slammed his head right into it and then, like, jerks his head back. And I kind of, like, jumped a little bit, and I kind of said, oh, uh, crap, we'll say. We'll say that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, somebody just hurt themselves, and then he turned around, and it was him, and he just grins real big, and we're like, oh, man, he, okay. Yeah. He got me. Like, he got yeah. me. Like, I did not see it coming. And I think when, the, on the, the final day, uh, where you guys have the, the big champ, the game where the campers play all the alumni, where everybody is introduced, when he was introduced, he came out and acted like, he did one of the base, best fake, like, Tripping oh, and falling yeah. down, but not falling yeah. downs I've ever seen. That was very impressive. So yeah. really, really that, good guy. That's one of my favorite things that he does. It, you know, because we'll do these red carpet uh, introductions. Just at normal, like alumni weekends, we'll do them. Or fantasy camp, we'll do introductions. And he always does the best trip and fall. It's so good. Going, oh, 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 that's Denny. Oh, he did that on purpose. <laughs> but just... It is so funny because it, he makes it look so real. It's just the unbelievable flop. That, yeah. He, I was sitting in the stands and he's got it down to like an art form. <laughs> like you can tell he's practicing. He has it perfect. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts me to watch just because it would hurt my body to, with my knees and shoulders and everything. It would hurt to do all that. But <laughs> yeah. He's uh he's a barrel laughs, you know, and one thing we didn't get into, but he is a sound effects savant. Really? Yeah, he's got the best train whistle, and you know he does a gassy, a gassy uh, fart. You know, yeah. <laughs> he just does. He does some funny sounds. Uh, we had these kids one year at fantasy camp, and we do this big kangaroo court. It's always funny, and so he'll be in there, and all of a sudden he'll go, you know, and and this one kid would just start laughing, and he was. He, well, I say kid. I mean, he was. Uh, he was there with his brother and he was just kind of happened to be there one day. He was like a bad boy and he was in his twenties and he started howling laughing and he could not stop. And Denny just had him going. It was hilarious. It was, it was a lot of fun. And um, so Denny's always been a great joke. So I love the story that he tells. So check out the the podcast story that, uh, today with Denny. And you know what, that's just one of many things that he, he did. And he always had a huge smile on his face 
people love being around him. Yeah, I look forward to it. He's one that I can't wait. I felt like we just barely even scratched the surface with him. So we'll definitely have to have him on again. Maybe maybe Fancy Camp next year or something will get him on there. There we go. But, okay, well, without further ado, here he is, a former Braves pitcher and all-star, Denny Nagel. He's an out away. Here's the 1-1. Breaking ball, grounded toward Galarraga. He will take it himself. And there is the complete game shutout for Denny Nagel. Hey, Denny, thanks for joining us, buddy, on uh, Behind the Braves. It's uh, great to have you here, and um, I know we get to see each other quite a bit during the year because of um, uh, because of fantasy camp, and then, of course, you're real involved as an alumni coming to the Braves games during the summer for alumni weekend, which, unfortunately, we don't get to do that this year, but, uh, but still great to see you, and uh, it's, it's great being able to catch up with you. You doing okay today? I'm doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, you had a phenomenal career, and I was just looking back, and so many of the alumni, I get a chance to just kind of reminisce uh, on the podcast and then as well as just, you know, interaction. Sometimes you forget exactly. We all, you know, we're all friends. We get to talk and and do events together, but sometimes you forget about what happened back in the day. So I was going back through your, your numbers and of course, um, you know, Ricky and I, Ricky and I will talk about this, but I mean, you spent 13 years in the big leagues. That's a long time. And how's your arm these days? Is it still, still feeling all right? Still feels pretty good. You know, I'll tell you what, the first couple of alumni games when I'd come back and we had to pitch the campers that last game, I felt like I could barely make it through like that one full inning with them. But Fortunately, I have a 15-year-old son now who's really gotten involved with baseball the last couple of years. So every year now coming out of an alumni game, I'm able to throw a ton of BP to these 12, 13, 14-year-old kids and stuff. So the, the arms are feeling pretty good. It's been fun, you know, watching my son get involved with the game and loving the game of baseball the way he does. And it's kind of like almost given me a, a second life to enjoy the game all over again as well. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Have you noticed how many of the guys that we play with now their kids are in the big leagues and, and doing well? <laughs> Somebody so, uh, on uh, on a Facebook group, I'm Facebook, uh, I'm a, a Facebook uh, part of a Facebook group called the Tomahawk Talk, and they were talking about, boy, it was so weird just watching some of these kids like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, you know, Craig Biggio's son, actually, yeah, I say it, Kevin, Kevin Biggio, you know, and stuff. They're like, you know, so this lady was saying, oh, it was so weird watching their dads and now their son. And so I jokingly commented and said, try pitching against all the dads. So that's when you feel old when you look on TV and you you pitch against half these guys' dads or you were teammates or whatever, or played against half the coaches, you know, and the GMs and, you know, scouts and everything nowadays. So it definitely makes you feel a little bit older now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. Uh, dynamic when you when you get to see them playing and and I just wonder to myself hmm wonder how much that they their dads taught them or were they just great athletes and then being around the game you know we absorb so much just being around other players and and other talented people and and I, I always look at them and I, I think about well wonder wonder how their dads taught them and that that leads me to re- really one of the questions I wanted to ask you because I know you do have a son that pitches. How's it going with you working with your son? Uh, because he is in, he is interested in pitching. So you being um, you're a great pitcher yourself. How's that been translated over to to helping him learn? Yeah, it's 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 such a crazy thing, isn't it? You know, because we want what's best for our son and or any of our kids. Obviously, it goes without saying. And so, as a you know retired professional ball player pitcher. 
you know, it's such, I feel like you have to, it's such a fine line because I, I want to push him and I want to help him do the best he can. But most importantly, Greg, I think, you know, me, my personality too. The one, the one huge thing I preach to Chase, my son, is that I want him to enjoy every aspect of life and the game of baseball, you know? So I feel like I, I try to do the best I can of walking that fine line of I'll help him and nurture him and teach him whatever I can. But the most important lesson I always want to teach him or any of his players that I've been coaching the last couple of years is I want you guys to enjoy this game as much as possible because, you know, I saw it. I'm sure you did too. You know, unfortunately there was guys that even played at the professional level that you wonder, gosh, did they ever really get to enjoy it? Cause there was always so much pressures and stuff. And I don't care what level that is high competitive high school, college, junior college on into the minors. And then obviously hopefully the big leagues at some point, but even if they don't make it that far, you know, you see the pressure sometimes that some other dads put on their sons and stuff and, and daughters, you know, whatever sport they're playing. So the one thing I just always was going to stay true to is I just want to chase to have as much fun as possible playing the game. Yeah, that's when that leads into something perfect that I wanted to ask you about, Denny. I know we've talked to, uh, gosh, we've done about 60 of these now. So it's, it's like I'm trying to remember the number of guys we've talked to who are former players who now have kids who are either playing – that are in high school or playing college ball or trying to make a pro career out of it. I know I've asked uh, Tom Glavin and Maddox and a couple other guys about this when they have a son that's playing and, and, or playing the same position that they did or pitching like you did. Do you, if you see something your son is maybe needs to work on, do you, do you go to him and tell him that, or do you sometimes have to wait for him to come to you? I mean, I, I got to imagine there's a hard balance there of like knowing when to interject yourself and then other times waiting for him to come to you asking for advice. Yeah, you're right. It is. It, it, it is such a fine line again, especially like when I'm coaching him in summer ball, when I'm the actual coach, I feel like, you know, it's a lot easier to try to correct a mechanical flaw or something that I'm seeing in him right away. And one thing I love about my son is that, you know, he does, he absolutely loves the game. He's a huge fan of the game, loves studying the history of the game. He fires off statistics left and right to me and, you know, I mean, it's amazing to me some some of the stuff that he actually knows from 25, 30, 35 years ago about, you know, the history of the game and stuff. And he's only 15 years old. So that part's really easy as far as he's a sponge. He likes soaking it all up. So he's really easy to talk to and help him, you know, with any kind of mechanical issues or something like that or, or the mental part of it. The harder part is when, you know, if it's at the high school level and it's during the high school, the, the regular spring season through high school, Last thing I ever want to be is, you know, that parent, that dad and everything, you know, or something. So it's, it, it's tough sometimes, but you know, I don't have as that, that hard of a time to sit back and just let their coaches do their job and everything, you know, and then if my son comes to me later, well, dad, what do you think about this? You know, such and such told me this, said I wasn't doing this, you know, maybe I should be, you know, arm angle a little bit off or something like whatever it might be, you know, I was like, well, you know, I kind of noticed this, you know, something, but if coach sees that, you know, you should work on that as well, too, because I never want to undermine those coaches because they're they're busting their butts out there, too, to try to get the best out of these kids also, too. And I think that's that's always probably the toughest fine line to walk as a you know former player to keep your distance when you're supposed to. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, we've talked to Marquise. His son is, you know, uh, just stud. college. Yeah, stud. And and um, I think about Dwight, his son's in the big leagues. And just have quite a few alumni that that are doing well. Glavson's pitching at Auburn, and it is an interesting dynamic. Of course, we all know this. I don't care if they're a baseball player or if it's just trying to teach your son anything in life or your daughter. 
you know, I hear this from parents as well. Like, ah, can you go talk to my son? He won't listen to me. And I go, yeah, because he hears take out the trash, make your bed. And oh, by the way, that pitch isn't very good. Let's work on your sinker. You know, it's, 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 a, it's pretty interesting. But, you know, when I, I think back about you as a pitcher, I, I think that you were a guy that you did all the right things from the standpoint of that. You, your fastball was utilized correctly. You, you had a good breaking ball. You had a good changeup. That changeup was probably your probably your best pitch. But you were really a pitcher. So you were out there. You had a game plan. You changed speeds. You set hitters up. And you executed. And so my, my question to you is, nowadays, when you watch these guys pitch, I don't know how much of the Braves you get to see where you are in Maryland and Colorado, but when you just watch baseball in general – what percentage do you think actually do that as opposed to and, – and then are you trying to change that with maybe the kids that you influence or your son or maybe the other kids that you're around? Do you, find your, do you find yourself talking more about that since that's the way you were and that's what we see as kind of a void that's going on in the game today? Yeah, there's no question, Greg. You know, it's, boy, it's so tough because – you know, on one hand, I absolutely, you know, to answer the, the one main part of your question, I absolutely teach the philosophy of pitching and trying to set up hitters, you know, preach to these kids, especially obviously all the pitchers that I work with, that, pit, you know, hitting is timing and pitching is messing up the hitter's timing, you know. So I preach taking more off, you know, mixing up your speeds, changing, the, you know, up, down, in and out of the strike zone, using all quadrants of the strike zone. Because like you said, I mean, that's how we were brought up and everything. But yet, when they turn on the game now, you know, it's all about velocity, velocity, velocity. And who's someone harder than the next guy? You know, every single guy that comes out of the pen seems like it's 94 and above, you know, and stuff. And, and now they have all these camps where they're teaching these kids, how can I maximize my velocity and stuff, you know? And so, you know, I, I get it, Greg, you know, because I'm, I'm a realist also, too. So I understand that, unfortunately, I know what scouts look, look at, too, and organizations will look at as well, too. So I get that that should – that not necessarily should be, but unfortunately that's just automatically part of the future of the game and stuff. Things have really turned to velocity with these pitchers and stuff. So as far as a percentage of – gosh, man, I mean, it, you know, to be honest with you, like even the big league games that I watch, Greg, I mean, it's – you know, it's definitely a low percent. I would say it's probably somewhere in that 20, 20 to 25% range, I think that guys really, really put, you know, a lot of emphasis on studying hitters and setting them up and using all their pitches and, you know, changing speed as much as they can. Because, again, you know, the game evolves, the game changes and stuff, whatever. And I wish we would see more of it. It's like a rarity now to see uh, Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs. You know, uh, I think his name is, is it Tommy Malone, a left-handed pitcher for the Orioles, I think. I was watching him the other night, and I was like, geez, talk about a throwback, a lefty that's, you know, topping out 86, 87 that was still fooling the guys, though. But that was that's what was great to watch though, the other night, Greg. I happened to turn that game on being in the Baltimore area, and I think the, the O's were playing the Nats. And that Malone kid was – I think I'm saying it right. Tommy Malone, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. but he was 86 to 88, and, you know, but great changeup, great off-speed pitches – in and you know, like we were just talking about changes speeds up and down in and out and then when all of a sudden when he threw that 87 it was by these guys and I was like man so refreshing to watch to me it's like an albatross if you will is someone like a Max Scherzer who has the the stuff 
and the capability of – I mean, he, he's unbelievable when you put it all together. Garrett, Garrett Cole, obviously, is another great example. Steven Strasburg in the postseason last year. You know, I mean, there's absolutely guys out there that still incorporate both and are fortunate enough to even have the fastball to back it up as well, too. But I think, you know, I, I point to someone like my son loved this kid, but Mike fulton You know, I mean, that kid has tremendous talent and stuff. And I've, I've watched him pitch the last couple of years, and I'm like, boy, if he could come up with something, you know, more off speed, a little more consistent, just something to get him off that hard fastball and hard slider. I mean, you know, obviously he was an all-star two years ago, you know, so there's no reason why he can't get back to that level. I think one way to do it was to be to study hitters more and try to work on his off-speed a little bit more. That's a great point. I, I, one thing that's a glaring uh, statement that I've heard, they, they interviewed some guys currently on which would you rather have, four shutout innings with uh, five strikeouts, seven strikeouts, eight strikeouts, 100 pitches, or would you rather go seven innings with three runs? And almost 100% of them said four innings, four innings and eight strikeouts and no runs. That's just a <laughs> mindset. Now, where that came from, I'm not sure, but I think it's about I just want to make them swing and miss. And, and so, you know, so that's contrary to the, the philosophy that we were, we were always trying to go nine. And so giving up three runs in seven innings, I'll take that every night. Those are quality starts. I'm going, I'm going to the all-star game, you know, if I do that consistently. So I think it's just a, it's a cultural thing that's going on. And, and for us, it's the way we're taught, it's a little hard to understand, but you know, it is what it is. It's the same, you know, and the same thing with the hitters too, on the flip side, you know, with the launch angles, you know, and, all of a sudden, all these guys, all these young kids are coming up with these big uppercut swings and stuff. And that's why it cracks me up, Greg, when you see, see these, uh, you know, debates online and on, on social media and stuff saying, would Greg Maddox be as good as he was, you know, 20 years ago today? <laughs> and, when, you know, me and Steve yeah. Avery and Merker and some of the guys jump on these sites and going, are you kidding me? He would eat <laughs> these kids up, man. Pick apart those swings with all those holes uh, in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny. <laughs> Well, uh, so who were some of the guys that you you kind of emulated and looked up to as you were growing up and coming along that you, I don't even go with modeled yourself after, but just that you that you loved the watch as a, as a kid and growing up. Well, one kid that first right away comes to my mind growing up in the Baltimore area. I grew up a huge Orioles fan, and so Scott McGregor was a guy that I looked up to, man. You know, I mean, because here's a guy, same thing, topped out low low to mid eighties. You know, and stuff. And granted, the game was a lot different back then. You know, he was pretty much a, you know, typical type lefty back in those days, with the exception of a few, you know, like Frank Tanana when he came up, you know, through really hard, extremely hard when he first came up. But most of, a lot of lefties, you know, were kind of that cra- the crafty lefty, as they mm-hmm. always like to say. And being, being a local kid and yeah, <laughs> John Tudor, yep, loved him, you know, but, but uh, Scotty McGregor, you know, I mean, he, he 80, 83 to 85 miles an hour, but yet he went out there and threw a complete game, you know, in game seven of the World Series in 83 to help the Orioles beat the Phillies, you know, and stuff. So just being an Orioles fan and watching him pitch and being a lefty myself who didn't throw extremely hard even back in high school and stuff, you know, I patterned myself after him and thought, you know, if that guy can do it, I think I can do it too. No no offense to him, you know, but I'm like, you know, that's kind of how I throw and stuff. And then then once I got to the big leagues, the guy who became my my teammate later on in my career was Tommy Glavin, watching him pitch, you know, because same thing. Tommy threw a little bit harder than I did, you know, was able to sneak that fastball by a few more guys than I did, I would say. But but we, we had similar styles in pitching, so it was hard not to, you know, really enjoy watching him pitch. And then to be able to become a teammate and a good friend of his was pretty special. 
it is interesting. Your styles were similar, but you had more movement. I noticed you had more of a tailing fastball. He like it's almost like he threw four seamers, and even his changeup was straight. Whereas yeah. you had more on, you had more movement, but you both had to have location just because of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, it was great, Greg. You know, I told you, like, you know, off air and stuff too. I've, my dad's been struggling a little bit physically and stuff, whatever. But one of the things we've been, I've been trying to do to keep his spirits up is uh, a buddy of mine suggested saying, why don't you put on a couple of your old games for him? I'm sure he'd like to watch that. So I just have the one, one, one of the first ones you can pick up on YouTube is me in 99 when I just got traded my first year with the Reds and it happened to be against the Braves and, and my boy, Tommy Glavin and stuff. So I had bragging rights cause I beat him that game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I know you, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out too, is that you're really involved with the fantasy camp and, uh, you, I would put you on the fantasy camp all-star game. I mean, all-star team, just not from the standpoint of your ability, but just how you relate to guys and how much fun you have. And so you're, you are full of life, and you just have a great time wherever you go, and I know the campers really appreciate that. So uh, one of the things we've been promoting is Fancy Camp for this next year, and and uh, I've opened up registration and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we do have a great time down there seeing those guys, and you actually work with them. I mean, you work with these guys who are adults, and you teach them out of a pitch, right? Absolutely, man. You know, you know, the, you know what's funny, Greg, is that we always tell the campers every year when we're there, too, how much – we enjoyed as much as them. And, and it's funny to see what their reactions and the kind of expressions on their face thinking, oh, is he just saying that? Or are they really? And I think every, every, especially the new campers that come for the first time, they realize by the end of the week that we really do. We enjoy this as much as them. We become friends with them and social media and Facebook groups and stuff. And, you know, I keep in touch with a bunch of them on, you know, even just personal contact numbers and stuff. You know, I know like Hector Cora, one of the campers has been there forever you know, hung out and stayed in my house with me in, in Colorado and stuff, you know, and visited with my kids and everything. So we really do become really good friends with a lot of these guys, but it is such a great experience. It's how I was raised, Greg. You know, I mean, I don't know any other way except for to just treat everybody like you'd want to be treated and stuff, you know, and, and so it really is a, a special time, a special week for me and stuff. And I look forward to it every year with these guys. Yeah. So I went, I came down for the last two days of this year's fantasy camp and we recorded an episode with, uh, uh, two rookie campers, two veteran campers, and um, uh, two players. So uh, Marcus Giles and Jay Howe, I believe. And anyway, I had a great time. And I had, I've heard, I mean, I've been a baseball fan my whole life, been a Braves fan my whole life, and now work with the Braves. And I've heard of fancy camp, but I really didn't know anything about it. And so just showing up, just kind of, I just tried to stay out of the way and be in the corner and watch. And I, after a full day of it, I told Greg that night, I was like, okay, I get it. I completely understand why people do this, why people come back. I was like, this is so much fun. And I just enjoyed it. And you got me pretty good one day. Uh, you got a couple of us. We were walking out of the cafeteria one morning and you went to open the door and it kind of, you, you pulled a little prank where you made it look like you banged your head up for a second. I was like, oh, I mean, I didn't, I, I was about it in my thought, in my head. I went, oh gosh, he just did it. He turned around, looked and started laughing. I was like, oh, he got me. He got, he got all of it. That's right. And, uh, and uh, so I very much appreciate that. All the things that stick out of my fancy camp experience, seeing how much fun <laughs> all the former players, but you in particular had and how much fun you have working with the campers. It was really, really, that stuck with me. And I, I'm hoping to get to go down there again next year. Mm. It's obvious just how much fun everybody has. 
Yep, without a doubt. You know, and I, I think almost every every player will tell you by by the end of their career, you know, or when their career is over, that, you know, one of the questions everybody gets asked, what do you miss about the game? And almost to a man, you know, everybody says they miss that camaraderie in the clubhouse and joking around and goofing around with their teammates and stuff, you know. And and I think I, I feel like that's one of the experiences that we're able to give these campers everything too, is to show that that camaraderie and how much fun we have together and everything. And they're able to soak that all in and enjoy that. Cause you know, I know some, one of the, you know, the funnest parts of camp for them too is hearing the stories, you know, and what's Greg Maddox like, what's Bobby Cox like and stuff, you know, what's that Greg McMichael like, you know? <laughs> hey, all right. Tell us what your greatest prank is that you, that you pulled, you were able to pull off in the big leagues or in the minor leagues. Well, one of my one of my favorite ones is uh, I was just talking to my younger son about this the other day, but it involves Bobby Cox and Jimmy Williams, and so with 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 the the Braves, and we were in Boston. Jimmy was the coach of the Red Sox now, and I had one of those exploding sharpies. So when you take the top off the sharpie, it pap, it's like a little like mousetrap type thing, and it's actually is like little gunpowder. So when it when you release the when you pull the cap off, like you're gonna go sign something. As soon as you pull it off, it's that the little trap that back, it's a loud pop, man, and it gets you pretty good. <laughs> Somebody already got me on it like a couple days before, so I was like, all right, I'm definitely getting Bobby on this. So Bobby's been sitting in the dugout, you know, holding court, talking to 30 camera people and you know, and all the newspaper people and stuff. And so, anyways, I go, hey Bobby, I hate to bother you, but can I? And the camera's rolling. So can I get your autograph on this? Oh yeah, Nate's give me that. So he goes to pull it off, bang. Bobby jumps back, Greg, and hits his elbow against the bat, the helmet rack, too, you know, and so he's like, oh, jeez, gosh, you know, and so everybody kind of paused for a second, so we're like, oh, crap, I think he might actually hurt himself, you know, and so finally, all of a sudden, Bobby goes, ha, ha, that was great, Nate, he goes, go get Jimmy now, and Jimmy, Jimmy was behind the Red Sox doing their, their batting practice behind the screen right there, so I go, hey, Jimmy, I got a kid over here, I want you to autograph, can you sign it for me, oh, yeah, Nate's, Oh, Bobby starts cracking up again too because we got Jimmy in. That, that was always one of my favorites because I was scared for a second I really hurt Bobby <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well you'll appreciate this I'm going to uh, on Wednesday I'm going to get to go see Bobby uh, Guadagno and I are going to go down there and say hi to him and talk oh, good I'll, I'll tell him you said hi and, and please do uh, yeah so I heard he's doing alright so we'll uh, be good to see him Good, man. Awesome, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we uh, you got something else there, Ricky? I, I did want to ask Danny one more thing, just because we've yep. got uh, the All-Star game here next summer in Atlanta, and you being a two-time All-Star, we've had guys on before, and I just I love hearing the, the answers like, what do you remember most about your All-Star experience and how special was that for you? Oh, man. You know, the, my fir- the first one I made was in 95 in Texas. The first thing that's, that comes to my mind right away, it was so hot. I mean, it couldn't, you know, it's Texas in July, so you know it's going to be hot anyways. But I remember they said it was unseasonally hot even too. So the, the, the gala the night before, they always, you know, something local involved with the city and stuff. So they rented out six flags for all the All-Stars, their families and stuff. And I just remember even at night, it was everybody it just looked like everybody was coming out of showers. Everybody was sweating so hard. I remember Randy Johnson, the big unit, you know, had his little kid in his arm right here, you know, and stuff. It looked like it looked like he was carrying a football around because he was so tall and big, you know, but just with his long hair too, and he's just looking like he's coming out of a shower and stuff too. So that was that was the one big memory. And then after that, for me, just the nerves and the excitement and everything, finally getting to play with, you know, some of my heroes and idols, you know, because Cal Ripken and Wade Boggs and all these guys were in that game in 95 and stuff. So the, the nerves were just tremendous. But then I was, you know, able to – 
calm myself down and go out there and throw a scoreless inning in the sixth inning to keep it. I think we were down two to one at that point, and then we end up scoring two more runs to win the game. So, but I gave I gave up a leadoff double, and then uh, uh, where was it? Uh, I think Robbie Alomar pinch ran for Carlos Baeger, stole third. So before I knew it, I blinked and I had a man on third, nobody out, and I'm like, oh, this can't be my first All Star experience, but. <laughs> I was able to get out of it, man, without giving giving up a run that in. And so the whole experience was just incredible. To have my whole family there and enjoy it with me was something I'll never forget. Mm. Well, Denny, you're always first class, and I know the Braves are are grateful to have you as one of their alumni. You're always uh, willing to help and be a part of the stuff that we have going on. So I appreciate you being here with us today and uh, give Pops the best from all of us, and and, I hope he gets better soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Danny. Our thanks again to former Braves pitcher, uh, all-star Denny Nagel for joining us here on Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. A lot of fun with him. I didn't get to ask him. We talked a little bit before we started recording. I I could see in the background uh, here over Zoom that he had his his guitar in the background. I was going to ask for some of his favorite stuff to play because mine – Mine is also back here in the corner, and I've actually been playing a little bit here here lately. So nice. See if we could do a horrible duet over over Zoom, but uh, we'll get to that next time, I guess. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> we want people to listen, right? I know you're right. You're right. Hence why we didn't do it. That's that's right. Um, well, listen, we talked about we touched on this in the interview with Denny, and we talked about it beforehand. But Braves Fantasy Camp uh, 2021 versions yes i said plural versions are are coming up and uh oh registration is open and uh, we're getting geared up for that so greg talk a little bit about uh fantasy camp yeah we've sold out the date of january 19th to the 24th and so opened up another week the braves graciously gave us another opportunity which is the 12th to the 17th of january so that is now open at this point so go to braves.com slash fantasy camp or you can go to the alumni page braves.com slash alumni and you can see uh all the details about that so yeah we're excited as obviously as of right now uh everything's a go and um, we're hoping as we continue to work through this year and work through the season the off season that that'll continue to be the case but you know we're obviously sensitive to what's going on around us and uh, we're not going to do anything that's not uh, that's not in the best interest of everybody. So we'll we'll keep our uh, we'll keep our uh, you know eyes and ears open for that. But as of right now, we're planning on having it. And, and hey, it's the best time of the year for me. I, I, outside of the season, fantasy camp is one of the greatest things that I get to do with my job. And so we're we're excited that the Braves are allowing us to move forward on that right now. Yeah, if you're a newer listener to Behind the Braves or you've just listened to some episodes, you know, go back and check out our live from Braves Fantasy Camp episode from uh, from earlier this year. Uh, that would have come out either uh, January or February, I guess. But uh, we had so much fun, and I was a newbie to it. I just came down for a couple days, and and I still feel this way now, just how 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 much fun I had just kind of being there and just soaking it all in for a couple of days. And guys like Denny Nagel and then the campers, also, like all of them together make it such a fun time. And the, the pranks, the stories, the shenanigans, and then also the baseball. I mean, every bit of it is just so much fun. The one day of kangaroo court that I got to sit in for um, – 
I guess usually Sid Bream had been the kind of the head judge from what I gathered on Kangaroo Court, but his his voice was about gone that particular day. He was having some issues. So uh, so Denny actually took over and was running Kangaroo Court that day. And I sat in the very back of the room and, and just just was dying laughing at all of this. I mean, it was so much fun to watch it, and he did such a great job with it. So uh, if you have never done Braves Fantasy Camp before and you're interested, I highly su- suggest and insist that you check it out. And uh, and you can e- email Greg here. Uh, to inquire about it, and uh, it's it's just a great time for everybody. If you're a diehard Braves fan and and looking for a new experience, it's definitely something you should check out. That's right. Well, you know, we didn't even get to talk about what's going on with the current Braves right now, right. but uh, we we're getting uh, uh, just feeling great. I mean, we're almost close to halfway through the season. The Braves are, I guess, they're tied for first place at this point with the Marlins. They're, uh, they've had some setbacks with, you know, injuries and uh, a few sore wrists and some bad performance on some starting pitching. But overall, they've been hanging in there. And when they get everybody back and have some of these young guys kind of step up, uh, we're pretty excited about what's what's happening right now. I think with the, the format this year, with 16 teams making the postseason – Look, yeah, all the, we, the injuries have piled up and some of the starting rotation issues, we all know what those are. But to me, this year, if you just get in the postseason, I mean, I know it's that way every year, but this year in particular in this format, if you just get in the postseason, I think it's anybody's ball game, and I truly believe that. I really do. Uh, so to be – it seems crazy to say as we're – to say that we're getting close to halfway through the season. I guess we're more like a third of the way through the season. But, hey, we're a third of the way through the season and tied for first – what more, you know, that's, that's, we'll take that for now. And now just where they're back home, as we're sitting here recording this today, we start another long homestand. Uh, the first one certainly went very well. I think the Braves went seven and two. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you just keep playing that way at home and, you know, do the best you can on the road uh, to not, not lose any ground on the road. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. You know, we'll take it. We're, we're tied for first today. So as long as that's the case, we'll deal with everything else. Right. Yep. Everybody's healthy uh, from standpoint of what we originally were fearful of is that everybody was going to come down with COVID. Well, that didn't happen. So everybody's been healthy on that or is healthy now on that front. Now it's just a matter of working out the baseball health because you're going to get banged up and nicks and bruises and, and uh, those type of things. So hopefully Ozzy and, and uh, Ronald will be back here in the next week and they can, they can, uh, you know, take over a little bit, but I'll tell you what, Marcakis, wow, for him to come back, opt back in and do what he's done, man, what a breath of fresh air that he's been for us. That man, uh, it's been said a few times by a different number of different people since he's come back, but the the man is just a born hitter. I mean, that's all he he rolls. He's one of those guys, the, uh, the proverbial, like the cliche of he rolls out of bed, you know, hitting. That's just, that's him. I mean, he just shows up. Uh, hits a walk-off to end the homestand, which was great. Uh, the socially distanced walk-off, which I know that was a couple weeks ago now, but the walk-off celebration was was really funny. I mean, hey, we're, we're all making the best of the, the situation as it is right now, and to see the guys having some fun with that was great. But, yeah, uh, as we're recording this today, I mean, Nick, yesterday the Braves shut out the Marlins 4-0. Uh, Nick brought in or knocked in three of those runs. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to put a price on um, – what he's meant to this team by opting back in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's at least a couple games you can say that uh, they, they, they won because of him being there. So, yeah, well, you know, I hate to see it, but I think uh, when Ronald gets back, uh, 
Ender's going to be going to be sitting on the bench, and you're going to have Marquez and Wright and Ronald in the center, and uh, Duvall mixing in. But we've had we've had some about, guys. Real quick, how about our buddy Adam Duvall, who we had on a couple? Oh my gosh, what a year he's having, huh? Yeah, I mean, clutch. I, we love to see it. You know, he's just one of those guys that just go about his business, does his job. He's picking up slack. You know, we got those guys picking up the slack who we thought what the starting rotation was going to be is totally changed. What we thought the lineup was going to be is not what it is. I mean, look at what Dansby's doing. Sure. Dansby's picking up slack. Duvall's picking up slack. Marquecas has picked up uh, huge slack. So if we can just get our regular guys back in there mixing in, then, man, it's just going to be – and there again, we're not trying to peak right now. We want to peak at, the, at about September 20th. And that's when we want to, we want to be close enough to where we go right in and we've got momentum. So as long as we get everybody back and rolling in the next four weeks, then I think we've got as good a chance as anyway. But hey, and look at what uh, Erlen did yesterday. I loved him stepping up, coming in there, and showing that hey, I, I'd like to be a part of this rotation. I love seeing that from guys. I don't care if it's Matzik or Erlen or whoever it is. They come in and they do their job. They're going to find themselves pitching a lot. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, and listen, that's I think if you if you were to tell me you're going to be a third of the way through the season, and the situation will be Ozzy and Ronald are both on the injured list. Basically, Max Fried is pretty much the only starting pitcher you had for sure penciled in on opening day that's left in the rotation. Everybody else is gone for one reason or another. Uh, you could say I know some people had Kyle Wright penciled in as the fifth starter, but for the ones we were absolutely sure of, opening day roster, I mean yeah. rotation free. If you had told me that you got one pitcher you were sure of was going to be in your rotation, and that your one and two hitters are both going to be the injured list, would you take being a, in a tie for first place? Like, yeah, yes, yeah. in a heartbeat I would take that. Right. So that's what you. I think then that's you saying you know we, we want to peak later not now that's what made me think of that is that yeah right now let's just let's just survive let's get healthy uh let's kind of get some stability in the in the rotation and if we can hang around first place whilst uh getting everything kind of stable again then i think we'll be in good shape for the the run the rest of the way hey listen everything who knows this year everything up is down right is left i, I don't know hot is cold uh Marlins and Orioles are both great, uh, and we weren't nobody was expecting it. And good for them. That's not even a knock. Yeah. It's good for them and their fans. Right. They're, they're getting to well, have some fun this year. It's, it's great. It's early for them because they right. haven't played as many games. But the one thing that I've said from the beginning that we've talked about is the bullpen is doing exactly what we thought they would do. They are the best bullpen in baseball, and they're proving it night in and night out. Uh, the only thing that's interesting is who would have thought that people would be talking about Josh Tomlin be in the starting rotation. I mean, right. but there again, if you can pitch, I don't care. You can run out all these young guys that throw a billion miles an hour, but if you don't pitch, we're, you're seeing them. They're out in the third inning. So would you rather continue to have that, or would you like a guy, Josh Tomlin, who knows how to pitch, who can go out there and give you five innings? To me, it just it's a no-brainer. I don't know why we haven't done that yet, but I don't think he's going to mess up the dynamic in the bullpen because you can put those young guys out there and have them pitch two innings like he's doing, because that seems to be the only thing that they're good for is pitching two or three innings. So if you could have them do that, and we just need somebody like Tukey to turn the corner or Kyle Wright to turn the corner, and I'm waiting for it to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. But, man, if they if one of those guys or both those guys can turn the corner and get to five innings 
And, but, but there again, it's amazing as we were talking to Denny about it, there has to be something more than just throwing for three innings. You actually have to think a little bit and you have to understand the game plan to be able to pitch that fourth, fifth, sixth inning. And so you're seeing it with these young guys are struggling with it because they, maybe they haven't done it or, but they're really sure. Maybe it's the game plan. I don't know, but we just need one or two of those guys to turn the corner. Then you've got to have guys that, that can pitch. And I think that's why Max Freed is as good as there is in baseball because he's not only got a stuff, but he also is, has the game plan and he's executing it. That's why Soroka is one of the best pitchers in baseball because he has a stuff and he can execute for four, five, six, seven innings. And that's what separates them uh, compared to the other guys. Yeah, and we should. We would be remiss to not wish Mike Soroka all the best. I think an Achilles injury is obviously very serious, but from what Alex and everybody has said, you know, the I don't know if the good thing is the way to phrase it, but the good thing about that type of injury is it's something that he should be able to fully recover from as a pitcher. I mean, we're not talking about right. his shoulder or his elbow or anything like that. It's it's something he should be able to come back from. And yeah. that's uh, – it's such it's a shame. It's just such a shame on so many fronts. Selfishly for us as Braves fans, we were seeing the beginnings of having two legitimate aces in the same rotation. Um, and I don't know that we've seen. Look, we've had some great rotations over the years, but to have two guys that you could say this guy could potentially be an ace for any other team out there, it's been a long time since we've had yeah. that in the same rotation. I right. personally for the next ten years, for, for the, the next next, 10 years. next decade, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they could they could be right there with Ronald and Ozzy for the next yeah. ten years. So, yeah, it's tough to it was tough to watch, and we wish him all the best, and hopefully he gets back soon. And hey, you know who knows? Maybe we'll see some of these young guys that have been at the alternate site. Maybe we'll see Ian Anderson or Tucker Davidson or uh, oh gosh, some of these other young pitchers that are down there. Kyle Muller's look great, um, big guy that can throw throw really hard. So I mean, we'll see. You know, it's going to be a fun. Fun run here, but as that you as you said, the bullpen. We both said this on the record before the season started. We felt like we had the best bullpen in baseball, and that wasn't even counting on a guy like say AJ Mentor stepping up and doing. Oh what my he gosh! Did. Now there's a kid that's turned the corner, and look how he's done it. He he uh, acknowledges that his time with Josh Tomlin has really helped him to understand about execution, and so he went from throwing a billion. Maybe he topped out at 98, and now he's at 96 or 95, but he's executing all three of his pitches. And it's beautiful to see, and it's made the world. And so now, guess what? He is a viable part of that bullpen, and he's been successful every time he's gone out there just because of that one thing. He's taking it down a notch, and he's making all his pitches. And so that, that's, that's called turning the corner right there, and that's been a great thing to watch. And in and, and a bear's repeat, I think with our, our rotation, our bullpen is so deep and we have expanded rosters. We have so many great bullpen arms that if you can just get, if the bullpen can just, I mean, I'm sorry, if the rotation can just get you to that sixth inning, the fifth or sixth inning with, it would just keep you in the game. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying you got to hold the lead, just keep you in the game because our offense is good enough. And once Rozzy, uh, Rozzy, I'm going to start calling Ronald and Ozzy. <laughs> Um, once Ronald and Ozzy are back and their lineup is healthy again, um, this offense can compete with anybody and can score runs too. I mean, we've been at different points over the last week. We've, the Braves have 
been, if you look, if you every morning you wake up and you check the stats of the season so far, at various times, the Braves have scored the most runs in baseball. I don't know where we sit today. Probably not today. We might be, we might be second or third or something, but point is the offense is good enough to compete with anybody out there as well when we're fully healthy. So if the rotation can just get keep you in the game, the bullpen, once you get to our bullpen, I'm it's, it's, we, we, we can compete with anybody else out there, I think. Yeah. So, well, I don't know what happened to the Marlins. I don't know if it's just, they play us tough, but they're no joke. No, they're not. They're, they're legit. They, they looked as good as anybody that we played. I mean, from pitching all the way down to this third lineup. I mean, they've got a bunch of names that they're not household names. But let me tell you what, they can play some ball, and they're going to continue to win some ball games. You can tell they're hungry, too. Like it's And, and with the situation they went through to start the season with, with COVID and all that and the, the outbreak, and, you know, I, I would think if you're them, they're probably thinking, you know, everybody thinks that, that maybe if you're them, you're thinking everybody's laughing at us or not taking us seriously at all. And they're out there playing with some 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 grit, you would say. I mean, they look tough. Mm-hmm. And so they agree. I think I even made a joke on uh, maybe it was when we did our last episode with Kelly Kroll about like how I believe how tough I believe our division was minus the Marlins. Um, and boy, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, well, they're, they're making me and a whole lot of other people look pretty silly right now, pretty dumb. And and kudos on them, all the credit in the world for them for uh, playing the way they are. I mean, it's it's I enjoy seeing I enjoy seeing the Marlins and the Orioles of the world who nobody thought and who knows we're. 20-ish games in. Who knows where they'll be at the end of the season. But I, I enjoy seeing people teams that everybody discounted, that everybody had pegged for picking in the top three of the draft next year, going out there competing and playing well. It's it's good for the game to see it, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Agreed. But all that being said, uh, go Braves. We, we don't need anybody else taking, uh, taking our first place away from us. So That's right. All right. Well, buddy, this has been great. I know we've got some more episodes uh, planned uh, to tape here in the coming weeks. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, thank you all for for listening and subscribing and uh, sharing Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. Uh, To those you know, we very much appreciate it. And uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.